Good morning, everyone. Worship was pretty good today, wouldn't you say? It's always so good to, to just get in the presence of God with our church family. Next week is beach baptism. I had a lot of people ask me if I was baptized when I was a kid, and I don't really even remember it that much. Is it okay if I get baptized again? My answer is absolutely. You want when you get baptized it to be a significant memory of what you did in a public declaration of your faith. So we wanna encourage everyone that has not been baptized or you, you, maybe you're just in a different place spiritually and you want this to be a moment in your life that kind of dictates where you're going. Sign up for beach baptism. I wanna invite everyone that maybe aren't getting baptized to come. We're gonna have worship on the beach, which is always really, really good. We're expecting a nice sunset. What I love is always there's people that come and gather that begin to worship with us. There's other people, they see all the baptisms happening, and we've had probably at least a dozen people that were just watching, and they're like, I want some of that. Can we get baptized? I'm like, yeah, I'll hold you down extra because you didn't come early. (laughs) And so that's always a joy to see people come and, and to be a part of that. How many saw the Charisma Magazine article this week that came out on our church? This was a really cool thing, came out of really nowhere, where someone wanted to interview me and talk about what our church had been through, but yet got on the other side. And it's really parallel with our own lives. Even though the enemy tries to knock us off course, we keep getting back up and we keep moving forward and pressing towards God's mark. Well, this was a great article talking about our expansion to the South Tampa area, talking about the things that we've gone through, how we really raised up in the community during COVID. So I wanna encourage you, if you've not liked our church Facebook page, go like that, it's on there. We're gonna send the email link for everyone to be able to see because it's a testimony of God's goodness to the entire world. This is a national magazine, which then got picked up the story. It resonated so much in the hearts of people, it got picked up on a, another site that was trending American churches. So we're trending. How about that? I don't know if we've ever been trending before. I'm not even sure I know what that even means, but we're trending. It's good. So last year we did a a campaign we called Vision 2020. And let me tell you, you guys stepped up in such a great way. We were able to do so much more than we ever even expected. We were able to get a new front sign, which was really, the old one was just so bad. And then we were able to update our cafe and our front lobby and the chapel. Don't those areas look beautiful? All the lobbies with the new flooring, those wood planks that are tile, but they look like wood. Isn't that beautiful? I felt like God said, it's time to fix up the house of the Lord. And we did that. Not only did we do that, but we were able to do things this year with Helping Hands, which we're gonna be talking about a little more of that for this next year. But we were also able to do an expansion of a church in Nicaragua. So this property was donated to Compassion. We were able to raise, in two weeks, we raised $75,000 as a church, built a sanctuary, built a feeding center, built a play yard, built a kitchen. And listen to this, church, You're so generous. We sponsored over 400 kids in that community and in other areas, which is over $15,000 a month coming from our church to save lives in Nicaragua. It it just blew me away. Couple weeks ago, we just said, hey, let's save babies. We raised over $11,000 to save babies for the Walk for Life. We saved nine babies two weeks ago. How about that? 
So whenever there's an opportunity, you're always so generous. And so as we move into this new year, there, there is a, I know we're in the new year, but it's a, a next phase of what God's doing in our church. I wanna tell you some of the things that we're gonna focus on. God gifted us a campus in South Tampa. A congregation came to us and said to me, we want to donate this campus to Countryside because we wanna have the same things that are happening in your church happening in the Tampa area. This is a multi-million dollar campus that's paid off that was gifted to us. I mean, how does that happen? So we're gonna be having a campaign over this next year. I want you to begin to pray about it. Just pray, what God do you want me to do? There's no pressure, there's never pressure for me because I don't like that. The pressure I want you to hear from God and then if we're all obedient with what God tells us to do, we always do more than our goal. So me pressing on you is not gonna do anything but make you mad and then you leave the church because you think this tall guy just wants my money. I don't want your money. God wants our heart. And out of our heart, we are able to do so much more. If you go to a church that doesn't have vision, then I question that because the Bible says it's for lack of vision that people perish. So at Countryside, we're always gonna be leading forward and leaning into what God wants us to do as we press into the next phase of who we are. So we've got this campus and it's going to be a broadcast campus, which means they'll have a campus pastor, campus youth pastor, campus worship leader. They'll have all these different roles doing the thing, but the message will be coming live from here each and every week. So we're gonna need to get the broadcast equipment. We're gonna need to get the LED wall that will make me look better. I told them, you know, Photoshop me, make me just look better over there. And then when I go there live, they'll be like, who are you? But I'll be okay with that, I'll get over it. But these are some of the things we need to do is we need to get that broadcast area and, and we're gonna renovate the, the, the sanctuary. We're gonna renovate the entire kids area. We're gonna tear down all these walls. This was built probably 50 years ago. So we're gonna tear down walls, make it a really, first class area for the kids, first class lobby. They have an old library that's there. We're gonna renovate that to have a cafe in a smaller way, but similar to what we have, a courtyard where people can gather, get to know each other. Don't you love our cafe and areas where we can gather? We're gonna give them free coffee too. I like that. Another thing they have is they have an old basketball court that's there. We're gonna completely renovate that and there are hundreds and hundreds of, of young families that are right near the church within a five minute walk. It's gonna blow up. The youth in that area are gonna blow up and this is just gonna be an opportunity for us to do that and to reach more people. It's gonna be amazing. What an opportunity. You know, a couple, just a few months ago, at the beginning of the year, I told the board at our board meeting, God's put it on my heart, maybe over the next two or three years, for us to go multi-campus. He just put it on my heart. And then we'll just revisit it in a couple years. Well, the next month is when the guy came in, the pastor, and said, we wanna give you this campus. So I guess God has other plans. So I had to go back to the board and say, it's not a couple years, it's right now. So we serve a right now God. I was trying to say, let's, let's do it in a couple years, God. Another thing that we're doing is they have a helping hands just like we have a helping hands. We wanna combine our efforts to expand that. Last year we gave nearly three million pounds of food away at helping hands. We need some newer refrigerator trucks. Henry Moses, what do you say to that? Amen. Amen. Brother Henry, that row right there, they work at Helping Hands. They just do so much for our community. But we wanna do even more. What do you think about giving away five, six million pounds next year to the entire Tampa Bay area? Isn't that a good, good thing? 
Also in Nicaragua, this is a board member had an idea, why can't we do more in the Nicaragua area? I found out the mother church, we built a whole new area that was like a half an hour from the mother church. Their classrooms are tarps, rubble, their kitchen is old, beat up, it wasn't renovated. So all they have is really, they have bathrooms that were put in a couple years ago in a sanctuary. But we're gonna go there this next year and we're gonna completely renovate that site so they have a first class facility in the mother church and they're gonna be a praise to the Lord. We're gonna change the entire area of Leon, Nicaragua for the glory of God. So, I said at the beginning of the year, somebody's gotta do it. It might as well be us. Don't you think that's a good idea? And if we're all obedient, just begin to pray and ask God, what can I do? What do you wanna challenge me to do to step up so that we can easily do this over the next year? We're gonna be giving out opportunities for a one-year commitment coming up here in a few weeks. But coming up in just a couple weeks, we're gonna be having a fundraising gala. And we need your help to gather auction items. We're gonna have different people, leaders in the church and different ones that are gonna come to this gala and we're gonna give opportunity for them to give towards something that you may wanna donate. So I asked Pastor Kelly to give me a list of things. This may just spurn you to get your, your thoughts thinking. But for the silent auction, if you wanna offer your goods, I had someone come in after first service and they said, I, I do like HGTV type stuff. I'm gonna give like eight hours of my time to help someone just to have ideas for staging and renovation for their, for their kitchen or their living. I'm like, that's great. Great idea, I never would have thought of that. I just tell my wife, well, yeah, yeah, whatever you wanna do, babe. Yeah. So think about, it. some people have timeshares they'd be willing to, to donate, charter, event, park tickets, golf, fishing trips, spas, you may have connection to spas. If you do, get an extra one of those. Pastor appreciation is always in um, October, and so. But if you have any interest and ideas for things that you could do with your service or, or, or whatnot, just see Pastor Kelly in the North Lobby or Pastor Naomi. You can sign up and let us know. But we're excited. The campaign is gonna be called Expanding Your Reach. Our reach is getting broader. And the reach is not to build the kingdom of countryside, it's to expand the kingdom of God. I'm excited to be a part of it. How about yourself? All right, let's hold up God's word as we get into his word. Father. Anoint your word today. Father, give us your heart. Mold us, shape us. Let life be brought out of your word to us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So you can follow along in your notes. We wanna welcome all those that are watching online. We're so glad that you've joined us today. This is week three of a series called Fake News. And what we've been doing is looking at different areas of our life. What does the world say about how we should live? What does the world say on how we should compromise? And then what does God's word say about these different areas of our life so that we can grow stronger? We're either gonna believe the fake news of the world or we're gonna believe the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because every area of our life, God's got it covered right here. Whether it's your marriage, whether it's your family, whether it's your finances, whether it's your future, God's got it all covered right here. But if you begin to look at your lives, that's how it's a, a litmus test. Begin to look at your life and see how does that line up? Is my life lining up with the fake news of the world or is my life lining up with the good news of the gospel? So let me ask you this today as we get started. How many 
it would make your life a little bit easier if you had a little bit more money. Okay, for those that aren't raising their hand and being dishonest, if I, if I could just give you a check for $10,000 today, how many would make your life a little easier with that check? See, hands are going up like, come on, right? I don't have a check. I'm giving that check to the Expand Your Reach campaign that's gonna start here in a few weeks. But the world trains us very strategically on how to live a life where we're dissatisfied. To live a life that's dissatisfied. First Timothy chapter six, starting in verse six, it says this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Now I look around and I'm very thankful that everyone has clothes on today. So we're blessed. I look around and I looked in the mirror this morning and it looks like everybody in this place is eating pretty good. I'm eating a little bit too good right now. But really, if we look at the world today, most people live a life where they're not content. They believe that if they had just more of something, more of money, more of this, then they would be satisfied. But how much money do we really need to be happy? There have been lots of studies that have been done on this, but I looked at a Gallup study from five years ago. It was a Gallup poll. And it's, in this poll, it started with people that made less than $30,000 a year. I can remember when I started the church, I was making $20,000 a year. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I gonna do this? Oh Lord. Well, I would have been interviewed in this group. And so in this group, they come up with how much they would really need to do well and be satisfied. That group came up with the number of $74,000 a year. If I only had $74,000 a year, then I would be satisfied. Then I would want nothing more because, oh, I'm making 30,000. If I had, man, $44,000 more, I'd be living the high life. Woo! Then they interviewed people that were making $50,000 a year. What would it take for you to be happy and to be satisfied? They came up with a number, if I only made $100,000 a year, woo! Let me tell you, when I first started, if I made $100,000, revival, woo, Lord Jesus, open the window. But the reality of it all is no matter what we make, oftentimes we tend to look at what we don't have and it's never enough. So you get raised this to a certain point, then you just add more payments to your bills and to your commitments. And then what looked like you were making so much more money, you just added more things. Now you have more stuff, but you have the same level of being dissatisfied. I thought $74,000 a year. And then, then I had three kids. Kids are expensive. Can, can all the parents say amen? And then you have a house payment. Then you have a car payment. I always wanted my wife to be safe, so from a very early on, we were like sacrificing all these areas because I wanted my family to have a van, so we leased every three years where we keep the price down, but yet, and I know that's a bad investment for those that are Dave Ramsey people. It's all right. I didn't do well on that one, but she stayed in a new van. It was very important to me. And, and then I didn't want them to get into a secular school because I know what the curriculum is. My wife is a educator, she came out of education. We wanted our kids to be in private school. Private school's not free. And usually I say, if it's not free, it's not for me. 
But Elaine says, it's not free, it's for us. And I'm like, okay, whatever you need, babe, that's good. If I only had more, then I'd be satisfied. And then, of course, all three of my kids had crooked teeth. <laughs> Who would have thought? I mean, they wake up and I'm, I'm looking at their permanent teeth, I'm like, you got summer teeth. Oh no, you got summer teeth. Some are here, some are there, some are over there. So all three of my kids had summer teeth. They were everywhere. So I asked, what would it take for you to be happy and to be satisfied? And the world's answer is always a little more. Let's look at a parable in Luke chapter 12. Really important parable that really lines up with the world, especially America and Western Christianity today. It starts in verse 16. It says, he told them this parable. The ground of, certain, of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my, my barns and build bigger ones. Bigger ones are always better, aren't they? And there I will store my surplus of grain. And I'll, have, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Isn't that sound like America today? If I only had a bigger house, a nicer car. Now, I want you to know, if, as I'm sharing this message, I'm not telling you that because you have a nice car. God blesses people. I'm thankful for his blessings. This isn't a lecture on you having things because I believe that God wants. It's talking to us about where our heart is because if our heart is all focused on things, we're never gonna be satisfied. That's what the challenge is, is for us to look at our heart. So don't look and say, well, I mean, I have a nice car. Don't judge me because I have a nice car. I lived poor for many, many years, okay? Got a nice car. But God looks at our heart. I love to give. I love to be a part of kingdom-minded things for the kingdom of God. So I just wanted to give that disclaimer right there. But it's not just about money. It could be about body. I can remember, I've been wanting to be 20 pounds lighter ever since I gained that 30 pounds everybody gains when they first get married. You know that, 30 pounds. Everybody, I, I warn people, just be careful. You're, everybody gains 30 pounds when they get married. Well, I've been saying it for the last 32 years. If I could only be 20 pounds lighter, I'd be so much more happy. If I could just gain, then other people, they're, they're skinny. And they're going to the, the gym. And they're just like, man, I'm, I'm, they're skinny. And they're coming up to me, like, they do this thing. I'm swole. I'm like, what does that even mean, you're swole? I'm like, you're skinny. And I pray over them, and I pray God that he would transfer their metabolism over to me. It never has worked yet, but I prayed that. If I only had a better job, if I only had a job with insurance, uh, when I get married, then I'll be satisfied. And then the focus goes from, okay, I'm married, and it's okay, it's good, but I can't wait till I have kids. I can't wait till I have another kid. I can't wait till my kids get out of diapers. Oh my goodness, I'm tired of changing diapers. Can't wait till they walk. I'm tired of driving my kids everywhere. I can't wait till they can drive themselves. I can't wait till my kids get out of the house. I can't wait till my kids graduate from college. My last child just graduated from college with her degree in education at St. Pete College. I'm like, yes, they all got through it. Praise God. But then what happens in the world today? They're called boomerang kids. I'm like, 
I did this whole thing. I'm looking, what did boomerang kids? I was studying helicopter parents, boomerang kids. That's where you pray for them, you send them out, and then they end, back in your, end up back in your house. <laughs> so a lot of you are like, I prayed my kid out, they got out, but they're back now, so I'm praying again. <laughs> Listen, I, last, a couple of years ago, I, I moved in with my kids because I was downsizing my home. I wanted to move closer to my grandkids. I'm like the only boomerang parent in the room right now, <laughs> but here I am. Something God showed me so clearly like five years ago, four years ago, was stop looking towards everything that's ahead and enjoy where you are right now. Be fully engaged with every moment. I look back, I'm like, I wish my kids were little again. I had so much fun with them. They're grown. They're never gonna be little again. Let me tell you, as I got grandkids now, I'm spending every moment that I can and enjoying every moment with those. I mean, every day I'm texting my son, daughter-in-law, hey, you want a visitor? And, and I can tell when they don't because they, they act like they didn't see the text, which is very hurtful, but I'm okay, I'm okay. They'll answer it, oh, I didn't see this, sorry, they're going to bed now. So that means no, we don't want a, a visitor. But enjoy the journey, enjoy life today. Enjoy where you are and pour into the people instead of constantly looking at where you're going next. Luke chapter 20, starting in verse 20, it says, but God said to him as he spoke to the, the guy in the parable that all this stuff was happening where he wanted to live, drink, and be merry. He says, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Some, some people, they're like, well, I can't believe we're doing another campaign. Oh, it's an opportunity toward God, towards the kingdom of God. So today, we're talking about how to be dissatisfied with our fake news. So if you are in a stage in your life where you're feeling contentment, you wake up and you feel so blessed, whew, satisfied, you love your job, love your church, love your group, love your marriage. Today, I'm gonna show you through the fake news of how to be dissatisfied. So, listen up. Once again, for those that are here for the first time during this series, this is, the next portion is sarcasm, okay? Don't take this out of context because people will think you are a part of a cult and they'll think I'm a weirdo. So don't take this out of contents. So in your notes, how to be dissatisfied, here are four points that you can do that will clearly help you to be dissatisfied with your life. Number one, focus on being ungrateful. Last week on Mother's Day, my wife, didn't she do a great job last week on Mother's Day? I mean, today I'm telling you, forget what she said last week about being thankful. Say thank you, what, what's that? Focus on being ungrateful. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks. You know, the world says just gripe always, rejoice always, gripe always. Hey, I'll tell you what, foster a genuine spirit of ingratitude. Foster that, nurture it. Resent the goodness of God in other people's lives. You see people get blessed, ah, I can't believe it. I deserve that. They got that car, now I don't want that car. I want a better car than they got. 
Be critical, be envious of people around you. When people have a great marriage, look at them and say, oh, I can't believe these people. Look at people in nicer clothes than you. Be envious, resent the goodness of God, ignore God's goodness in your life. Listen, breaking off on the sarcasm, every good and perfect gift comes from God. Every one of them. So every blessing that we have, living in this nation where we have been blessed and we can freely worship God together in a place called church, we are the ecclesia of God. What a wonderful time for us to be here and to be able to be blessed by our God. But the world tells you never to be grateful for anything. Don't be grateful for where you live. Don't be grateful that you have good health. Let me tell you, a lot of people, they don't think about this. You'll think about it when you don't have good health. We are blessed. Look at the areas of your life where you are blessed. Think about it. Most of you, I saw the parking lot's full, so most of you have uh, transportation. Most of you have a closet full of clothes. Most of us are able to eat wherever we want to eat. Ignore all of that. None of that matters. Just be dissatisfied looking at what you don't have instead of what you do have. That's what people do. And that's why we live in a world of dissatisfied people. Number two, you wanna be dissatisfied? Here's number two. Compare what you have to people who have more. Don't, don't look at people that have less than you. Oh, forget that. Look at people that have more. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, it says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. So maybe you, you're, you like your house. Well, here, here's what you need to do. Go to HGTV, watch Love It or List It. Hillary, what she does with houses and she just transforms these houses, binge watch that. Because at the end of doing that, you're gonna hate every aspect of your house and you will be completely dissatisfied. Compare your salaries with other people. Compare your marriages with other people. Compare your children with other people. Compare your children with the kids that are in second grade and are already going through college. That'll really help you be satisfied right there. Compare your bodies with what the world wants you to compare your bodies with. Open up those magazines and just look and just say, ah. What you're looking at, you're looking at women that have not eaten since they were in the second grade. <laughs> and then the bones that would show, they're not showing because they have something called airbrushing, photoshopping. So you wanna be dissatisfied with yourself? Compare yourself with all of those women that are false. It's not real. And then look in the mirror at yourself and you'll be completely dissatisfied. Compare yourself to those people that have invested more money into their upper bodies than they have any of us have put into our retirement accounts. Photoshop. I always tell the guys, I'm like, can you make me look a little better? I'm, I'm really okay with being photoshopped. You know, makes me feel better about myself. They're like, pastor, you're preaching. I'm like, I know, but can you do something? Because even I fall into the trap, well, this pastor, you know, just looks so good, looks so young, looks so muscular. I'm like, can't you Photoshop me to be muscular? <laughs> you know, Photoshop my teeth to be like perfect. You know, just, they're like, no, we're not gonna do that, pastor. I'm like, it's probably good. 
Guys, compare yourself with other guys. As pastors, there's something on Instagram. It's called Preachers with Sneakers. And what they do is they put on a preacher and then they go down and they zero into the sneakers. And you wouldn't believe it. There's like $1,500 for Nikes, $2,200 for these bowling looking shoes, $3,000 for these shoes that have like this shiny stuff. My preacher with sneakers? $19.99. Black Friday, 2016, 75% off. Yeah, I've never made that website. I've never made that website. But we live in a world where more is better. Newer is better. So focus on being ungrateful. Compare yourself with people that have more. And number three, Pursue temporary possessions over eternal treasures. That's what the world says. If you have more, you will be so satisfied. It's a lie. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus is saying this. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. God wants us to focus more on eternal in eternity, in kingdom minds, and have a mind where we're not just focused on these temporary things. But the world says, think short term. Focus on the moment. Don't focus on eternity. Focus on things that don't affect eternity, but will bring you temporary satisfaction. To think that we have a church that now can build a church in Tampa, rebuild that. We could do things in Nicaragua. God's blessed us with so much that we can impact for eternity but the world always focuses on the temporary. The last thing in this section, number four, develop an attitude of entitlement. There you go. You wanna be dissatisfied, develop an attitude. It takes nurturing that developing that entitlement attitude. Romans chapter six, verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. What we all deserve for what we have been and what we have done is death. But God, through his son, gives us a life that's abundant and gives us eternal life. What a blessing God is to us. But so much of the world is like, you've had a rough life, you deserve this. You worked hard, you may not have money, charge it. That's what Wilma Flintstone said to Fred, charge it. They went on their little thing and they charged it. Guess what's coming next month, the bill. You feel, deserve new shoes, buy them. New television, new phone. Man, these phones come out like every six weeks. We've got the, what are we, an iPhone 1200 now? I mean, it's like, I deserve a boat. I can't afford a boat, but I deserve a boat. Listen, all of us are able to drive to our house. Many of us can push a button and the garage goes up. Isn't that a cool thing? Just drive in. Don't have to say hi to your neighbors. If you push it early, you can just drive in. It opens up, there we are, but yet we, we gripe on what we don't have. We gripe about our gas mileage. We walk into a, a climate-controlled building where we live, this house. We always keep it 75 during the summer, and as we've gotten older, we've moved up to 71 during the winter. It's always exactly what we want, but yet it's so easy to gripe. We can stream a movie. 
Think about that 20 years ago. Hey, we're going to stream a movie tonight. You want to come over? Stream a movie? What does that even mean? And then we complain about slow Wi-Fi. We have all of this stuff, and we got to find something to complain about because we're not satisfied. Slow Wi-Fi. Come on. Do you remember the days where we used to have those, the beepers on our side? And I had this big one. The church gave everybody a big beeper. I thought, man, I'm something cool here, walking around, pulling out my, look at my beeper. Everybody's got this little beeper. I got this big beeper that could give me like sentences where the church could say, you need to do this, this, and this. I'm on my big beeper, it's this big. You remember when you get beeps from your spouse that says 911? Yeah. Remember that? I'm like freaking out, pulling up, going to a payphone. A lot of people are like, what's that? What's a payphone? That's where you would put like a dime for me, a quarter for others that are a little bit younger than me, and you would call on a payphone. Hey, I got a 911. Elaine, what do you want? Oh, I just wanted to get your attention. Could you get milk on the way home? I'm like, I just thought my dog died. It's 911. But yet, we complain. We look at what we don't have. We walk into a closet that is filled with clothes. And we say, we don't have anything to wear. We walk into a closet that is loaded with shoes everywhere. Oh, honey, honey, I don't have any shoes to wear. You got like 50 pairs of shoes to wear, babe. Well, you know. It's so easy to gripe. And it's so easy to complain, and it's so easy to live a life where we're not satisfied. In your notes, how we live, it reveals what we believe. Our lives are saying what we believe. So don't show me what you believe, or don't tell me what you believe. A lot of people are like, hey, this is what I believe. Show me what you believe by the way that you live, what's your actions. Last point in your notes, it says, what Christ offers, this is what the world is saying every day, trying to reprogram us as Christians. What Christ offers is not as good as what the world offers. That is a lie belched out of the pit of hell. I want you to know that. What Christ offers is so much greater. So much greater. We think if we have this stuff, that's where we're gonna be satisfied. We think if we look a certain way, then we're gonna be satisfied. We look at other people and we compare their Instagram account to our Instagram. If I only had that, then my profile picture would look different and I would have a bigger smile. What? When you're right with God and your focus is on the kingdom of God and his goodness, everything changes. So you wanna drift from God, talked about it the other couple weeks ago, then focus on the shiny things. Focus on other things other than God that will satisfy you, then guess what's gonna happen? You're gonna drift from God. Talked about adultery. <laughs> oh, it can never happen to me. Focus on something outside of God's plan, something that may look a little bit better, they may be a little friendlier. Oh, but my wife and my husband. Oh. Next thing you know, you're in the middle of a mess and your life is destroyed. You wanna be dissatisfied? They got a better car, they got a better kitchen. If I could have a certain amount of social status, then I would feel so much better, then I would be satisfied. If I had just a few more followers, why does there, they put up a picture of the sunset and they get like 150 likes. I put up a sunset and I get 10. What, their sunset's better than my sunset? Oh, I can't believe it. 
I don't know how I'm going to sleep tonight. Their sunset's so much better than mine. They got something more. What? Hearing it out loud, it sounds so crazy. But that's what's going in the minds of so many people. We're dissatisfied because our eyes are on the world and not on Christ. We need to focus on Christ, what he's done, and to truly have grateful hearts. Gratitude turns what we have into enough. Not, ha- not happy people who are grateful. We become grateful people who are happy and satisfied. Philippians chapter three, starting in verse seven, it says, but whatever were gains to me, and now I consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may have and I may gain Christ. When you really know God and don't just know about him, It changes everything. When you know him intimately, when you wake up and he leads you, his word guides you, his spirit empowers you. You never wake up doing life alone. You understand that there is always a God who loves you and is with you and he will never leave you or forsake you. Then you begin to look at other people and you realize that they matter. They matter more than your temporary satisfaction. Why do we do helping hands? Because people matter. We need to be the church when people are hurting to give them food to eat in a society right now where there's people that have lost their jobs that need that help. That's gotta be our focus. When you begin to desire that whatever influence you have, that you can use it to draw other people into that relationship with Jesus Christ, that's when things begin to change and that's when the light switch goes on on how to truly be satisfied. In that part where it says, I consider them all garbage that I may gain Christ. The word garbage in Greek is skubula, which literally means in Greek, human wastes. So when it says it's garbage, we're reading that. That was written in a much nicer way in English. But really what they were talking about there, that's a bunch of. So oftentimes I would always say Christ is enough. Christ is enough. I've learned over time, and the older I get, I understand Christ isn't enough. Christ is far more than enough. He's everything. He's eternal. He's real. He's the truth. He's the living water. He's the living vine. He's the rock. He's the alpha, the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's our redeemer. He's our righteousness. He's our Lord. He's our savior. He's the lion and the Lamb. He's the soon returning King of kings and Lord of lords. He is far more than enough, church. Far more than enough. But we have a spiritual enemy that hates you, that wants to kill, steal, and destroy every area of your life. The way we live often communicates what we believe, and it says that Christ, what he offers, is not enough. Because we tend to live the way that says if we had more, more of this, more of that, then we'd be satisfied, then we'd be happy. The only thing that brings true eternal satisfaction is more of Jesus. More of Jesus, less of me. More of Jesus, less of the world. More of Jesus, less of what the world has to offer, more of what Jesus has to offer. You want a marriage? Inject some more Jesus into your marriage. You want a happy marriage.
You want some advice on how to raise your kids? Inject more of Jesus into the way you raise your kids. You want to have a happiness and be able to balance the budget, inject more of Jesus into your finances and begin to live the way God tells us to live. And guess what? It's, it's funny because when we begin to do that, not only do we normally have enough, but then we have more than enough because we're doing what God's word says. We're tithing and as we tithe and as we give, God blesses and God, as he blesses, oh my goodness. You look at the end of the month and you think, God, how did this even work? It's through obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. So you wanna live a satisfied life? Allow more of Jesus to be in every area of your life. Can you say amen? All right, I went over a little bit today. I apologize for that. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, we love you so much. I thank you for a church that truly wants to live a life that's satisfied with more of Jesus in every area of our life. Holy Spirit, if you're convicting us, Lord, help us to receive that area of conviction because we want to line up our lives with your word. We want to be fulfilled because of what you bring into our lives. Help us to live with you in mind in every area of our life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we're going to dismiss in just a second. But maybe you're here today. You've never entered into that, that relationship the most incredible intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, with God himself through his son, that's what he offers you through salvation. He came, gave his life on the cross for the remission of our sins so that we might know life, so that we might know and live the abundant life, so that we would have relationship with God, so that we would know that after we die, we wake up at our death, we take our last breath here, we wake up, we are in heaven walking on streets of gold in the presence of God. Whew. It's powerful, but maybe you're here today, you've never given your life to Christ. You never received this free gift. When I count to three, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand, look at me, I'm not gonna call you out, but I'll tell you what I will do. I will pray for you, and I believe that today is the day for your salvation. One, two, three. If that's you, raise your hand up high. You wanna know God? You wanna know him intimately? Yes, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Raise it, yes, I see your hand, and yours, and yours, and yours. Thank you so much. For those that raised their hand, even those that have raised their hand over the last six months, we have a book up here. It's called Fresh Start with God. You wanna understand the depth of what God wants to do in your life and in your heart? We have a free book. Just come up to the altar, grab one of these books, and really get plugged into the body of Christ and understand who you are in Christ. Let's all pray for the sake of all those that raised their hand today. Let's pray. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you gave your life so that I might know life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I repent of where I've missed the mark. Today, I accept you, Lord, as my Savior, my God, my best friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a great praise offering. I love you so much, church. You're amazing.